Hey, my loves, it's James here. So obviously it has been a bit of time since we've last put out an episode. Uh, this one was recorded, oh look, I'm, I'm gonna say months, month ago possibly. Uh, so there's no trailer reaction going on inside this one. Uh, we may be talking about some slightly outdated news at the very beginning, uh, but look, it's a brisk one. Uh, and then after this, we are gonna be pretty much caught up. On behalf of me and Callum, I would like to apologize for the delay in our current release schedule. Um, I've been incredibly busy with work and travel. Callum's just generally always busy, uh, but we do we do miss this. Uh, we've been talking about it quite a bit. So we're excited to come back. We're excited for um, Power of the Doctor uh it's it's all happening two hearts it's it's coming back baby um anyway look without further ado enjoy the episode and thank you as always for listening hi (laughs) (laughs) shut up okay hello and welcome to two hearts a new who podcast i am callum and i'm james and this is the only podcast where taylor swift and carly ray jepson are going to get mentioned an inordinate number of times for a Doctor Who podcast. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. On today's episode, everyone's favourite centurion steps on board the TARDIS in The Vampires of Venice, followed quickly by Amy's Choice. That's right, folks. It is a two-parter, two-for-one deal today. As always, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod. That's two, the number two. Or you can email us your longer thorns, longer, longer forms, thoughts and feelings at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com and that's to the word to Callum. Now we don't have any Doctor Who news to talk about today, but we do have breaking Taylor Swift news. <laughs> we do, we do, we do. And it was like, <clears throat> you know, Taylor Swift will descend every now and again from the heavens and give us some good news. Um, and it honestly brightens up. I don't know about you, James, but it brightens up my day. I, I was like, I was like facing oh, yeah. a Monday, just thinking, oh no. It's all starting again. Oh, I've got to go on to work. And then it was like, I don't know, I had lunch. And then there was this message from, there was a message from you. And it was something like OMG or R or whatever. And I was like, oh, it, maybe it's some <laughs> Doctor Who news. Um, but no, it's Taylor Swift announcing a new album. A new album called Midnights. Uh, you know, that's also the name of a Doctor Who episode-ish. Um, so we're kind of on on topic here. Uh, but yes, no, it was definitely like, oh my God, it's Monday. And then, oh my God, it's Monday. Mm. Um, so it was it was a nice little turnaround. It was. And it, it threw me back to those days in 2020 when it would be a, an ordinary Friday or something. And then it would just be like Taylor Swift dropping a little tweet being like, Hi, 14 new songs in the next 20 hours. Uh, bye. <laughs> and you were like, what? Yes. I haven't got time to prepare. What the fu- Yeah, it's interesting because Folklore and Evermore are kind of like linked in my brain to this podcast just because of that entire time period being, you know, condensed into yeah. one memory at this point, basically. Um, so, yeah, seeing this announced today and the kind of perspective that gives us some time from when we first started this show and it's... It's a strange feeling, um, but sincerely so happy to have her music back in our lives, especially given that we still don't know anything about the centenary <laughs> special. Yeah, in the news section on our notes, uh, I just wrote, everyone thinks Jodie's centenary's episode title is going to be revealed 
it isn't because there was this little thing on Twitter. And of course, like I am fully aware that Twitter is not the world, but it is at the moment, it feels like the only place where anyone's talking about Doctor Who, um, as mm. in the current era of Doctor Who. <clears throat> and um, there was this rumor going around the episode title and the poster for the episode was going to be revealed this weekend by, I think it's TV Zone or TV News or some mm-hmm. that uh, right. Twitter account. And then they put out a sheepish tweet on Sunday being like, <laughs> turns out we were Oops. misinformed. Um, <laughs> no news. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Um, like, we're just, we're just putting on that clown makeup and going out every day, <laughs> thinking that we're mm. going to get an episode it's called weird. Dry. <laughs> oh God. Um, it's it's kind of weird to think that like we got that what teaser trailer what eight nearly nine months ago no now. no and it was April oh that's right it was after Easter yeah. wasn't it because of um oh Rise of Madame Ching I I completely forgot about that yeah. episode existing um <laughs> well yeah. I I guess that's my commentary on it well I mean exactly that that's that's as good a, a yeah. I have nothing to say about yeah. it. Release the episode. Come on. Yeah. Just, just what are you waiting a, for? Do, do a Taylor and just be like, hey, 90 minutes of Doctor Who out tomorrow. Wink. Uh, honestly, though, like that. <laughs> it would it would be so good. It would be so good to be set free of um, Chibnall. Sorry, that came out more far worse than I thought it would. I'm tired. Um, Callum, I guess if we have nothing else to say. Oh, Actually, heads up, listeners. Um, so in the past, when we've done two episodes, we've done them as sort of like siloed conversations. We're not going to be doing that with these two. Uh, Vampires of Venice and Amy's Choice are sister episodes in a lot of ways, and we are both quite tired, so we're just going to smash it out. We're going to get this done, have you home by nine. Um, so I guess let's just, let's dive in. Nine? It was a, it was a it's joke. It's 7.14. Like the- I want to be done by eight. Yeah, I know, but... I want to also be done by eight, but it's like a curfew joke. Ha. 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 I want to go home. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. The Vampires of Venice is episode six of series five of the Doctor Who revival, written by Toby Whithouse and directed by Johnny Campbell. Uh, Likewise, Amy's Choice is episode seven of series five of the Doctor Who revival, written by Simon Nye and directed by Catherine Mooreshead. Now, given that we are doing these together, uh, we are going to make a slight alteration to our 60 second plot challenge, aren't we? Yes. Yes. James gets 90 seconds to recount the plots of two episodes of Doctor Who. I do not envy him one bit, even though it's going to be my turn next week. So, uh, you first. Um, Just let me know. Oh, I let you know when the counter is starting. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. You do. Um, Great. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to give you a warning at 45 seconds and 15 seconds. Okay. Sounds great. You ready? Are you pumped? Yeah. Pumped. Excited. Cool. Okay. Three. Oh, I'm going to, on one, you can start. Okay. Three, two, one. 
Alright, so Amy and the Doctor have gotten back from their adventure with the angels and Amy kissed the Doctor. The Doctor then shows up at Rory's box party and says, yo, your wife tried to kiss me, we've got to fix your two's marriage. So he takes them to Venice on what should be a romantic holiday, but it turns out there are vampires in Venice. What they initially mistake as vampires are actually these like weird fish creatures that are fleeing the silence and the cracks in the universe. They've made their home in Venice, they are converting women there into brides for all of their sons that are living in the river. Uh, there's like a queen lady and her son and uh, then the doctor says no you can't do this and so they don't do it and then they try to flood Venice and the doctor says oh you also can't do that and so they also don't do that uh, and, th and that's that's pretty much it the episode ends um, and they, they leave uh, Venice and then in Amy's choice, uh, we are essentially following two different timelines. One of them is told to us is the dream. The other is quote unquote reality. And one of them, Amy is heavily pregnant with Rory. They're living an idyllic married life. The other one, the uh, trio are freezing to death in the TARDIS. Eventually, uh, you know, shit starts happening in both realities. They get told if they die in one, they'll wake up in the other or vice versa, if it's the right one or not. Uh, eventually Rory gets killed in the idyllic fantasy. Amy says, no, I can't handle life without him and chooses to end seconds. their lives in the quote unquote dream then they wake up in the freezing TARDIS and the doctor's like hold on a minute uh this is also a dream and then they all wake up in the TARDIS having been put there by the dream master which is actually spores from another planet reflecting the doctor's ego back at him well that was two seconds to spare but you did not mention the dream lord until like <laughs> the last three seconds I think I also called him the dream master yes you did <laughs> Yes, so um, here we have two episodes of, of Doctor Who that are very much concerned with Amy and Rory's relationship. Uh, and so we thought it would be a good idea to discuss both of these together because they are in conversation with each other in a lot of ways. Um, but I guess, broadly speaking, let's let's just quickly start with The Vampires of Venice. Callum, how do you feel about this one? I really like The Vampires of Venice. I th was not the biggest fan of it when it went out. I kind of thought, oh, it's a mid-season episode. Um, we've got this weird guy coming in and I want more Doctor and Amy. So ooh, this is annoying. Um, and I've said this before on the podcast and I will say it till I'm literally blue in the face. There is nothing more depressing <laughs> and unimaginative as a teenage boy. Um, it, I think mm -hmm. revisiting it as a 28-year-old, uh, I see so much of the romance and the, the fun adventure of that story that I just didn't see as a kid. <clears throat> I think the vampires are, if a little cliched, a little sexist. Um, it, oh, just a touch. <laughs> I think it's still a good episode. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, mm. Maybe because my expectations were so low. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, Helen, uh, Helen McCrory is uh, fantastic as Rosanna. Uh, Calvieri. Is she the, the queen vampire? She's the, yeah, the head of the school. Yes. In the big uh, collar. Mm -hmm. Amazing collar. It's giving... Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Can't say that on this show. Um, nope. Uh, yeah, it's a good episode. What about you, James? What do you think? Um, I remember enjoying it quite a bit more the first time. Um, and this was like back during my little like um, teeth out surgery binge watch of Doctor Who, I think. Um, this time it was fine. I, I, I think it's much better on paper than it is in practice. I think it's something you could probably say about both of these episodes. Although Amy's choice, I think gets a lot more right than this does, but we'll get to that. Um, 
my my biggest gripe with Vampires of Venice is that I think it just doesn't look very good. Um, and and like yes, some of the CGI is incredibly dated. Um, and I, I I don't begrudge any show that like it. You were made at the time you were made. I, I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, but I, I specifically think that the directing is is bad. I, I, I don't think there's any sense of tension or pacing in any of these scenes. And it takes what should be an, a relatively okay script and turns it into this like kind of washed out nothing of, of a visual experience. Um, especially given that they are you know meant to be in Venice. It, you'd think it would be a little bit more textured um and you know the, the costuming is is cute but a, li a little costumey at times and i don't know it just doesn't quite come together the way i think it should uh i also really struggle with the villains of this episode not because of the performances like you said um that that head of the school is she's fantastic and i think she does the best with what she's given uh the issue for me is that We've got quite a light-hearted episode here about Amy and Rory trying to, like, figure out what's going on in their marriage and on, like, a fun little romantic vacation. Um, and you're pairing that with it just another story about another, like, last of their race comparison to the Doctor. Oh, the loneliness, the, the time of it all, Doctor. It's... It's just too much. Um, I don't think it has time to flesh out its ideas very well. Um, and... Yeah, I guess actually now that I'm saying this all out loud, I don't think I like this episode very much. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you bring up some points, not all of which I agree with. Uh -huh. I think it is a very textured, I think it looks great. I'm not going to lie. I think it looks great. Um, and there's only one scene that I think it doesn't look great in, which is um, mm -hmm. the doctors climb up the church spire uh, where it's obviously yes, yeah. he's on a green screen, <clears throat> like he's obviously not there. Um, and generally the conclusion to the episode being that he flicks a switch is pretty, you know, <laughs> pretty poor. Um, but I think there's yes. still a lot to love about this episode and, and, um, yeah. Okay. How do you feel about the the villains though? Like given what I just brought up about like sort of the the concept of of them in comparison to the the tone of the episode. I suppose. Look, I think it's never ever going to be satisfying when you try to fit a lot of stuff <clears throat> into an episode. And I think this season, mm -hmm. in many ways, it kind of suffers when it's a obvious overhang of themes and and. Um, things that have been set down by the Russell T Davies era. Um, mm -hmm. So for instance, yep. like the fact that there's this mirroring thing going on with the um, Saturnine creatures being the last of their race, uh, escaping from, you know, their planet having been destroyed and the doctor obviously being the last of his race. Um, there's a bit of the same kind of like <sighs> narrative we've seen a lot through the Russell T Davies era. Um, that doesn't mm -hmm. fit this doctor necessarily. Um, but I yeah. do think that there are just, there are some scenes and primarily I think it's the character of Rosanna. I think that she is the best part. Well, one of the best parts of this episode yes. um, that makes it better for me than it could be because there's that amazing scene <clears throat> of the two of them in the, in Rosanna's throne room. Again, like, this is a school, mm -hmm. but whatever. Um, and <laughs> she's got a throne room, okay. Um, where uh, they're talking about... It's odd. It's, I, I rarely see this sort of, like, 
camaraderie that happens between a villain and a, and the doctor yes. where it's like they can put aside like these two people are at opposing you know opposing factions but they can put that all aside mm-hmm. to recognize that they're both refugees and they're both um stranded well i mean the doctor's not stranded but um I suppose feels stranded just by the situation of being lost the time laws at this stage um, on this planet. And there's some, they, they play it so well, this like sympathy and, and camaraderie that obviously then, you know, goes away when the doctor's like, you can't kill everyone in this city to get what you want. Mm. Um, and she's just like, yeah, I like that. The, the turning point for that conversation is when he's like, okay, but you need to tell me what happened to the girl. Yeah. Um, and then her callousness about that girl that we saw get killed sort of towards the middle of the uh, beginning of the episode um, is, is again, another like, oh, okay, well now these, these paths are diverging again. Um, yes. I, I agree. I, I do think that works well. Yeah. And, and I think that just, you know, the design of them, the costumes are sumptuous. There's an odd thing. Hers there's is. an odd thing. I think her son looks like uh, he's in like a school play. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's a bit Rory like uh, in a in a lot of ways, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh, he, I think the costume. Uh, this is something that I remember thinking at the time. Is like there's an odd little fixation in this era with fish. Like everything is is, you know, the fish <laughs> fingers. The vampires are actually fish. There's sharks in the Christmas special, and it's like. Not everything's a fish, Doctor. That weird creature from the first episode looks like a fish as well. Yeah. And the river and, and the Doctor have a, a joint friend called Jim the Fish. It's like, what's this fish <laughs> agenda you've got going on? <laughs> what's going on, Moffat? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a stupid <laughs> throwaway comment. Um, but I do generally sort of think like, oh, it's a shame that like the vampires aren't vampires. They're fish people. It's like, what's the... What? Yeah, well, it's like when they strap that girl, was it when they strap Amy down to the chair mm. and they're just like, oh, no, we don't suck blood. We suck all the moisture out of you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is a very like clever way to do it as a kid's show, I suppose. Um, but I also think that, you know, you don't give kids enough credit when you like sanitize the violence this much um, because it does just make them kind of goofy as as a presence mm. in the episode. Um, and I think the design of the fish people is fine. Like I like the way that her physical form mirrors the giant frilly collar that she has yeah. when she's uh, disguised as a human. I think that stuff is totally fine. Um, it, yeah, I, I just wish they had they had a bit more bite, I guess, you know? Yeah, and it feels like a twist for twist's sake to be like, they're not actually vampires. Yes. They're, you know, fish people. And they've the only connection really is the, the canals of, of Venice. Um, but I think some of the, the, mm-hmm. the threads that for writing this episode are a bit looser than they necessarily should be. Um, because yes. this is not and just a straightforward episode. This is also an episode that introduces... Rory for the second time. And so yes. it has to do Who properly introduces him this time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it has to do that at the same time as being this romantic gothic vampire mm-hmm. story. Um yes. and which is a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. Um yes, yes, Rory is introduced for the second time. Um <laughs> <laughs> seamless edit. Yes, yes. <laughs> Rory does get a second uh, introduction in this episode, and 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 
when I said before that Rosanna is one of the good things about this episode, Rory is the other thing. I Rory is such an odd little character in the history of Doctor Who because I feel like um, he was never meant to be and yet <laughs> has became this like essential part of that structure that I never saw coming. And I think it's one of the real cool and strengths of this the Matt Smith era is that it starts out doing this kind of Rose Doctor thing of being like, here's a spunky new companion and she loves the Doctor and she can't not travel in time and space and whatever. And then it halfway through this season, it throws Rory in there and it's like, uh-uh-uh, here's some, here's some mm-hmm. responsibility. Here's some, you know, here's things to ground you. Here's complications. Here's drama. And it... <laughs> yes. I just left my body and heard what I was saying. <laughs> and... No, I... <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I think it's really, really cool. And Rory, uh, as played by Arthur Darville, is uh, just a joy to watch. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, the way that he joins the team for all of, what, like an hour and immediately has a conversation with the doctor being like, you're dangerous to people like Amy um, because they want to impress you. And that's, and you take advantage of that basically. Um, like that he clocks their situation as fast as he does. I find really interesting. And I think Rory's a, he's a very emotionally intelligent character. Um, he's, he's a bumbling mm-hmm. idiot, but he has a great heart. Um, and that balances is what makes him as interesting as he is. And then to contrast that later with, um, I think, I don't remember, like, doesn't Rory or something say like, oh, like we've got to do something. And then the doctor is like, hey, hold on, hang on, hang on. I thought I was the asshole for trying to make you do things. Like, and just that immediate push and pull, uh, the way that they both see Amy and don't see Amy, I also think is interesting. Mm. Um, and something we can definitely talk about with, with Amy's choice a little bit as well. Um, but their non-traditional masculine playing off of each other is is just a really fun thing to watch. And it does get a little bit trying. I mean, there's that gag with the, um, the you know, Rory's having, holds a little torch and the doctor pulls a big torch out of his jacket and he's like, yours is bigger than mine. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, I hated that <laughs> moment so much. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's like, okay, it's a dick joke. You're going to, and they do it again in the 50th anniversary, blah, 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 blah. Obviously these are just some things that Moffat yep. can't, you know, get his head off of. Um, brain mm-hmm. off of, but, um, I think on the whole, yes, it is a really interesting and cool way of exploring, <clears throat> I guess the doctor's attitude to men, because it was always there with Mickey, mm-hmm. but like Mickey then kind of never really was a, a match or a character in relationship with the doctor. Um, Mm-hmm. Whereas Rory really is, and he's challenging and and coming at, and like you say, emotionally intelligent enough to like in this first episode be like, y- you have an influence that I couldn't possibly like, I couldn't possibly match, and but it makes people do dangerous mm-hmm. things. Um, consequently, yes. Amy will do some very dangerous things for her love for Rory in the next episode. Yes, so which is fun and interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? And I don't think we'd ever see, I don't think we'd ever see Rose. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. They are two different characters and I love Rose and I love her flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'd ever see Rose throwing us. Well, we'll get to that, but you know, doing anything, putting herself in harm's way for Mickey necessarily. 
No, I'm, and I mean, like, they're also at very different points in their lives. And I think this is something that we initially talked about when Amy first came mm. into the scene. But, like, she is running away from Earth in a very different way than Rose was. Like, Rose was trying to find herself. Amy knows who she is. She just wanted a break from it. Um, and I, I think that, you know, point of contrast is, one, really interesting and, and smart on Moffat's part to introduce someone like Amy, who, at first glance, like you said, is doing the whole, like, you know, cute young girl uh, on the run with the doctor, what's going on there? And then, like you said, they introduce Rory and it just takes such a hard left turn um, and becomes an infinitely better show for it because it stops it stops what happened with Rose and the Doctor from happening here, basically. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can have your feelings on it. Like, if you enjoyed it, that, that's awesome. I, I don't... Whatever, you know, is what it is. Uh, but if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we had some complicated thoughts about where Rose sort of ends up as a character because of her entanglement with the Doctor. Mm. Um, and adding Rory in as a buffer to that happening works really, really well. Um, and it's also interesting, and, like, in yeah. think considering... Maybe the Doctor is a character that, you know, because obviously the Doctor is a very static character who has to, you know, Mm -hmm. always be doing, getting into a scrape, fixing things, leaving the world. Like they are set, uh, wash, wince, repeat kind of (laughs) concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, But like maybe it's, maybe it is worth looking at them in conversation with one another and to sort of say, well, maybe the Doctor learnt from his experiences with Rose to not let a similar thing happen again with Amy. And he like, he deliberately brings Rory in. It's not like they stumbled upon him and he came in. The doctor like, is like, you, (laughs) things get out. Things will get crazy if you don't anchor yourself a little bit. He brings Rory into the fold. Mm -hmm. um, And it's an active choice on his part. And yeah, it, it, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I I agree. It's the Amy Rory doctor stuff is by far the best part of Vampires of Venice. Um, like everything else feels kind of ancillary. Um, hmm. And, you know, I guess maybe my, my, my biggest gripe, maybe once we move into Amy's choice now, we can sort of leave vampires behind a little bit, but like just the, the balance doesn't feel quite right to me. Um, like Amy and the Rory stuff is always woven through, but this episode does spend quite a lot of time on the like, Ooh, vampires uh, stuff. And, yeah. It's just it's just not where I want to be spending my time at this point with these characters. Uh, and I think that that is, weirdly enough, a, a testament to what Moffat ultimately does with the show, where, like, yes, everything happening around the Doctor and the Companion can still be fun and still be interesting and still be good and compelling, but what's really driving his era is the relationship between the Doctor and the Companion mm. in a way that isn't quite there with RTD's time, I don't think. Maybe sometimes in Series 4 with, with Donna, I think you start glimpsing it. Um, but, yeah, just yeah, just a passing observation, actually. No, I just no, want to say it out loud. And I just want to jump off that to just sort of say, I think that uh, this episode definitely, like, forefronts some of the, the vampire stuff where it could afford to take a bit of a, more of a backseat with that. Um, but like, there's just a consistency that is gained here that isn't in the RTD era again. And I've said this before, it's just because they have two seasons with these characters. They have more time to sort of Mm -hmm. let things settle and, and play out a bit longer. Um, whereas the constant changing cast members of each season of Russell T Davies (laughs) Davies era meant that that was never going to be possible. Um, I also think that yeah. there's it, this episode, it's 
a little frustrating <clears throat> in the sense that a lot of the stuff that sh- I feel like should have been talked about or brought out a little bit more into the light in this episode isn't. The main thing being Rory uh, not reacting, not really reacting to <clears throat> the Amy kissing the doctor. Um, they kind of mm. brush it away a little bit with a few offhand comments. The doctor, I think, says to Rory, you know, we just got out of a ship. She, it would have been anyone. It should have been you, you know. And and yeah, like if you, if you were there, it would have been yeah. you. Yeah. And I think that is sort of just a way of <clears throat> brushing it under the carpet. But then I guess things are never explicitly said in this era and it doesn't ever really go away because that will always, you know, the doc- Rory will always be second guessing whether yeah. Amy loves him or not. It comes back in season seven, for God's sake, where Rory has yes. that... It's a foundational element of their dynamic. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I guess it frustrates me that it's not talked about more. Um, but maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I also, I kind of feel like it's in character for Rory at this point in his life to not push the issue as well. Mm. Um, like, to simply take Amy at, it's fine, you lughead. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like... It's, well, and it's not yeah. to say that the frustrations aren't there, that his feelings aren't there. It's just that he is not the kind of guy at this point that is going to be like, what the fuck? Um, and True. I think the growth that he he undergoes to get to be, to be that guy and the, the growth that Amy undergoes to stop being... And I texted this to you when I was watching Amy's Choice last night, but like she is casually cruel to him in like shocking ways. Um, and the way that they both have to learn to stop being those people and you know you know a- amy needs someone a little bit more like the doctor i think and rory needs amy to grow up a little bit um so and that's you know i, I feel like they do i was going to say that's just what i was going to say is that you know obviously this season is marked by amy you know not wanting to grow up and not wanting to develop and mm-hmm. wanting to sort of recapture that thing she had as a kid um it, it totally yeah. tracks actually now that you're saying it that she would be like i don't want to talk about that i don't want to i ran away from this for a reason yes you know? like this is everything i didn't want to happen. yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah good stuff speaking of amy she's got a choice to make uh, do you know i didn't really consider until this moment just how crass it is to name this episode after a film and a book about a woman who has to choose between two kids in a concentration camp uh, concentration yeah, camp. It's not great. Ooh. So is that the plane? <laughs> <laughs> Does that want to get on it? <laughs> oh, I'll just have to go where my little feet want to take me. <laughs> I just don't want to turn around and not see a plane behind me. Uh, oh, Ledworth. Ledworth, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. One of the few times SNL is funny. Anyway. So, uh, Amy's choice. Amy's what do you choice. Think, James? Callum, Callum, Callum. I am. I, I think I'm much higher on this episode than you are, um, and I've felt this way about it since the first time I watched it. And I, I cooled on it a little bit watching it last night. Mm. Um, I, I think that, like I said, same with the Vampires of Venice. I think there's some execution wobbles, some pacing issues that kind of let down what is otherwise like a really great premise. Um, what sets this apart from Vampires of Venice is that for me, everything else is like working on on the way it should. Um, I think it has a great villain. I think that the the concept is very 
old Doctor Who in a way, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that because I, I know not everyone's in my head about this, <laughs> but to me, when I think about classic Doctor Who, I think about small British villages huh. and cheap stories right and so the idea that this story is set largely in a small cottage and the main street of a tiny village and in the TARDIS set that they've already got it feels small scale while playing with huge ideas and that contrast to me is very classic who um and so I, I really vibe with it on that level I think that uh Catherine uh, Moore's head's directing of the Amy stuff is quite gentle and nice like you know this is very much an Amy centric episode in a lot of ways and the camera loves her here um yeah i i think it's i think it's good i think it's i think it's funny i think it's it's largely entertaining and it has an incredible sort of like character thrust in in the back end of it for for amy uh what about you it's curious you would describe this as an a classic who kind of episode because you're absolutely right in and i think one of the things that moffat does it do reintroduce is just that concept of doctor who being something that's set in the british countryside and it's set in these small towns and something weird going on in the small town. And it's set up in this episode, mm-hmm. obviously, with the nursing home and what's going on in that nursing home. Hmm, something odd, I bet. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really actually very curious to think about. That scene, sorry, where the doctor is, like, looking at the old woman and he's, like, leaning in. He's like, you're incredibly <laughs> old, aren't you? <laughs> it's just so stupid. Well, and that's the other thing that's so good about this episode is that it is at points genuinely laugh out loud funny and um yes so simon nye the guy who wrote this uh he wrote a very popular sitcom called men behaving badly uh i've never seen it but i know a lot of people have and it was popular in the 90s and um so i think actually he wrote a novel that it was based on anyway that that beside the point um and obviously, Stephen Moffat has also got his, you know, start and fame from writing a sitcom called Coupling. Um, so, there's a there's some simpatico stuff happening there in terms of those two writers. Um, I think this is a good conceptual episode. I think it's a really nice opportunity for some things to be settled uh, in the characters that we are following this season. Primarily, obviously, Amy mm-hmm. um, and the choice she has to make. Um, I think, like some episodes this season, it does struggle to sort of forefront that a bit more uh, in a way I would like. Uh, and I think the concept of the Dream Lord is, whilst interesting, uh, is a bit cheesy. Um mm-hmm. There's stuff I like and there's stuff I don't like. I don't think it diminishes... The stuff I don't like, I don't think it diminishes my overall enjoyment, but I, 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 yeah, I have a hard one. It's a hard one. I don't know. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Has anything I just said then um, been something you could pick up and run with? <laughs> or has it just been uh, gabbly group? No, just, 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 you're just having a gab. It's fine. I get it. I mean, I, you know, we just feel differently about this episode. And I, th- I think that's totally fine. Um, I, I do think what we both agree on though is, uh, well, obviously the humor works really well. Mm. Um, Callum and I both noted to each other that, uh, so, you know, like we said in the plot description in the, uh, TARDIS dream reality, um, they are slowly freezing to death. And so you get these stunning shots of that set just covered in this like uh. glacial, glacial snowy, uh, sort of like layer um, and it, it looks like 
it would have been an absolute motherfucker to film uh, because I imagine they just coated that thing. I, like you'd have to do it last, right? Mm. Um, but damn, it's good. It's it's very affecting. I think it's a great use of a space that, um, you know, like Calum said at the top of our discussion of this season, why he likes this TARDIS is because it is a living space. And so to transform that living space into something dark and wrong, um, I, I think works really well. Um, and then there's Amy. Everyone loves Amy. Well, and then there's Amy. Um, do you know what I think? There's something I didn't say when I was just talking then um, that actually uh, this comes back to this by bringing her up mm-hmm. is that <clears throat> this episode establishes that essentially that Amy does love Rory because the con the, mm-hmm. the fix, if you like of the episode is that Amy, once Rory, Rory's been killed by one of the Eknodine creatures that are inhabiting the residents of a nursing home um, in mm-hmm. one of the dreams. And so Amy in response, uh, you know, essentially, decides that that must be the dream because she can't imagine a life where Rory isn't alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incre- it is incredible. It is incredible. It's just, and not to give too much away, but I obviously understand that people who listen to this podcast have seen the episodes that are to come. Rory's going to die next week, you know? And it's yeah. like, we, so he's just been introduced. We get an episode where they establish that she loves him and then he dies. And it's like, it's just a bit rushed. It's just a bit rushed. And that's not this can episode's I, fault. This can, is an overall season thing that I'm just using this yes, episode as a way to yeah. talk about. Can I say something that's going to blow your little mind? Uh, go on. I forgot that Rory dies next week. So I'm sitting here like, what? Could you imagine if we I had watched next week's episode not remembering and I messaged you like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, that would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been. And you've ruined it. Sorry about it. Um, <laughs> no, but like, I, I guess, um, I guess that's yes. why I, I struggle with the developments of this episode. But I think if we're just going to look at this episode, it's great. It is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I shouldn't dismiss it so off out of hand because of something that is out of this episode's control. Um, Cause that scene is great. Mm-hmm. And you know, Karen Gillan doesn't get a lot of opportunities to do multi-layers to her character and in dialogue I guess she, it, a lot of it is in her delivery yes. and her and actual Agreed. performance but they give her some really good meaty stuff here where like Rory's died essentially and she's standing she's kneeling over his uh, the ashes and and mm-hmm. she's like you know she's something, something like you know fix it you always fix it and the doctor's like you know I can't do that and she's like then what's the point mm. of you um yes that line really stuck in my head. Um, I think it is unfair it's to the doctor. Like it, and it, and it, it's the rare time that that happens, right? Like it, it's, it's not often until like, until Clara really, that we see someone like challenge or wrong the doctor in many ways. Um, because they're often given that state of such like reverence for them that it's usually just like, oh well, you know, I understand that the the hardships of being you, but like Amy, once she loses Rory, like swings into full blown fuck you if you can't help me. Um, well, it's like, um, and that is it's it's brutal. It is. And it's it's like uh Rose, you know, saving her dad and then being like, well, fuck you for I I ripped open all of time, but mm. um he's ba- he's alive, so you're a piece of shit. <laughs> I guess it's not quite on the same level. <laughs> yeah. Um but I'm just 
No, I'm, I'm with yeah. you though. It, it's just, yeah. Like, cause I mean, I, I'm very like, I love the doctor as a character, but I think that generally the show could do a lot better job of putting him in his place or putting them in their, in their place more often. Totally. Um, and, and so I'm so rarely full of genuine sympathy for the doctor. And I think that, and, and you, this is one of those things that you get by having Matt Smith in this role, uh, the age that he's at, at this point where she's like, what's the point of you? And he's just this, like, he's just this young dude who's trying his best. Um, and it's so rare that he gets humanized to that degree. And I, I don't know, I, I think it's just a really complicated bit of character work between the two of them um, that, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a nice little backbone moment for the episode and they pass over mm. Pretty damn quickly, um, because again, it's not, it's not the focus here. This is much more about Amy and Rory, um, but just yeah, I, I I'm glad we drew some attention to that. Mm. Oh, I think it is the I think it's the crux scene in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. setting up some stuff that it will over time, I suppose, come to pay off of like Amy's crumbling faith in the Doctor, because mm-hmm. that is the only thing really that. I mean, this obviously this season makes a lot of points about fairy tales and how like the Doctor is in many ways a real character, a real person, and also an idea and a concept that only works if yes. you believe in that. And so, you know, someone dying that crumbles your belief in the Doctor's sort of power. I suppose. I think mm-hmm. it's. It, I think it is yes. a really important scene. Um, I think that Rory's ponytail is disgusting and I hate it. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I'm so glad he cuts that thing off. <laughs> it's a funny little moment of like the, the, the whole, the scene where he cuts it off, like everything slows down and he's like, you know, I've got to tell you something or I don't even know if he even says that, but he's just like, I've got to do something for you. And he cuts it off mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh, that's actually starting to like it. No <laughs> words, nothing said about their, about, explicitly but everything you need to know about their relationship mm-hmm. is somehow in that scene like he will do anything yes, for her agreed she actually likes the things that he is as no matter how disgusting they are yes and you know and again as a tiny little microcosm of what's to come she doesn't realize it until it's gone totally totally yeah Mm-hmm. It's really and and that, like that's honestly why I love Amy as much as I do and why I really come to appreciate her on this rewatch is that like she is flawed in a really human way um like I I think Clara is is obviously quite flawed as well but in a way that reflects the writing of the era of that show which is that her flaws are sort of like heightened they're they're much more Doctor adjacent flaws totally. let's say um Amy's flaws are. She's just a person, yep. and she's fucking it up. Yeah, um, and, and I love that. It's on par with uh, with Rose. I'm bringing up Rose a lot in mm-hmm. this episode, but <laughs> I just love her so much. And uh, and look, there is a lot of parallels. Do it, yeah, do what comes naturally. Um, obviously, <laughs> yes, there's the yeah. scene where she says goodbye to to Mickey, and she's like, "All those years sitting there, we never saw this coming." And it's like, again, it's that same mm. thing of like, you if you you can love someone so much and and not really realize it until they're gone. And that's just a human universal mm-hmm. truth. Um, yes. Yes. I like that this so. episode makes that point. I like that it is very human and has a very openly romantic ending. Like, I don't think you, you rarely see lovers kiss passionately in Doctor Who. Yes. And they agreed. are it's, making it's out. Quick lean in. And, and yeah, but these guys are like tongue and all. Yeah. Like they are in yes. love. Yes. Um, 
which is is great. It, it's it's fantastic. Mm. Um, they are a very good couple. Um, and I'm glad that this early on, you know, despite the fact that, like we talked about before, that the, the kiss between Amy and the Doctor does become like one of the foundational parts of like Rory's um, dynamic with the two of them, because like, of, co- of course it does. Um, but, you know, from memory, from this point on, Amy's love for Rory stops being a like, will they, won't they, or is she going to run away with the Doctor? Yep. And that's not to say it, it never has challenges ever again, but it it is a consistent, these two love each other. Um, and that's very nice, I guess. It's, it's oddly, it's odd at this point, Doctor Who, because it's not something that's ever challenged. It's, it's taken as a as a actually as a constant in a in a universe that's constantly mm-hmm. changing their love for one another remains consistent um yes. and you know yeah i mean moffat does some things that i don't really agree with but the fact that he introduces i mean he's he's ultimately a very sappy writer in many ways and he is very mm-hmm. much like mm-hmm. you know there's only one force in the universe that will save us and it's love and um <laughs> yes power of love and friendship is is genuinely what moffat is all totally about. um well it, in doctor who at least I, I can't really speak to his other work um it, yes. well, no it's totally there i mean that's why he keeps fucking coming back to time traveler's wife which was a decent show well, that's but true kind of <gasps> shitty too remember that vampire show dracula you should have finished it it was so good i really should have finished it yeah damn Ugh. Hmm. No, noted for later, everybody. Yeah. God, it actually just sidebar. Stephen Moffat's adaptation of Dracula, maybe one of the best things I've ever seen in television. Oh, that's not a sidebar. That's that's staying in the podcast. No, it's been sidebar. Whatever. Um, oh, oh, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but this episode, hey, the Dream Lord, the Dream Lord, um, Mister Dream Lord, bring me a dream. <laughs> Hey, bruv. Oh, sorry. Jenna Commons and Sandman. It's like... Yep. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, layers. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yes. The Dream Lord. Layers. Uh, so much going on So here. the Dream Lord is played by Toby Jones, who uh, famously is the voice of Dobby, I want to say. Oh. In, in okay. Harry Potter. Yeah. Everyone's favourite uh, series written oh. by Turf. Um, <laughs> Everyone loves Harry Potter. Loves me some Harry HP. Um, oh god, I actually better make sure he's, that's true before I start saying stuff. Oh yeah, what, she's a no, 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 that he is, he played Dobby. He did. Oh, right. Anyway, um, cut all that out. Um, <laughs> turf, turf, turf. <laughs> anyway, um, the concept of the Dream Lord... Okay, I'm just going to say this and get it out of the way. I think that, like, the ultimate reveal that the whole episode has been spurred on by psychic spores or whatever it is falling into the TARDIS uh, is dumb. And it's really... I actually could have done without that scene. Uh, if it was just a a being that yes. came along and, 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 you know, took over the TARDIS for that session, that episode, that would have been far better. Um... But ultimately, they do that. I completely that. agree. Yeah. Ultimately, they do that. So, it's revealed that the Doctor... Ultimately, that the the enemy of this episode has been the Doctor's dark side. I, I, I struggle to get on board with this concept. Um, yes, it's... 
again, like the vampires, uh, it's a bit tenuous to the actual emotional backbone of the episode. Um, I think that it's a great performance by the actor who plays the Dream Lord. Mm. I, I quite enjoy his presence. I think he is sufficiently creepy. I think that while the mystery is alive, he's a phenomenal villain. Because, you know... And, and look, we often do this about how, like, we would have written these particular episodes. <laughs> yeah. Just a tiny change. Just make it the TARDIS was flying through space, something interrupted them, had this massive amount of psychic power, and then Fox off again just to be like, maybe you'll see me yeah. again, Doctor. Um, easy. Done. Creepy. Unknown. midnight yeah. you know. And we also love those stories that are about, yeah. like, omnipotent gods. So that would have played up. Oh, huge. What if it was Sutek? Yes, exactly. You know? What... <laughs> I'd forgotten how much I love Sutek until you brought him up. Um, mm. Sutek, the destroyer. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Uh, but yes, I do. I do agree. I think the reveal that it spores is is supremely silly in in a way that I don't love. It just it just kind of takes the wind out of mm. the sails of the episode a little bit. Um, that said, having it be a manifestation of the Doctor's like darker elements and i feel like we've been conditioned by like a lot of i don't know like comic book movies and stuff like that to hear that kind of description and be like well that's just fucking hokey um and it is hokey uh but the the concept of a character who has like he jokes about like 900 odd years of trauma to feed off of and then that being twisted into a manifestation of himself that you know plays with time and reality uh you know puts the companions into dangerous situations uh you know I, I can see it. I, I think it's a very um, broad picture, but it's still an okay one, you know? I suppose. I just... Um, hmm. I think I agree that Toby Jones gives a great performance and that it's a slimy kind of gross little troll of a character um, in many mm. ways. Um like there's that one shot of him in a in a robe where he's like, oh, anything could happen, with Amy and the TARDIS, and it's like, ugh, this is this is just foul, ew. Yeah. Um. So I think he works on that like truly repugnant level. Um. But yeah, just this idea that it's a manifestation of the Doctor's self-hating, you know, dark side. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I think it's too big a concept to truly fit into this episode. And and also the Doctor, like, uh, yes. the way he goes about realising who this character is, is, again, it's a bit rushed. And there's that scene where everything's been reset mm-hmm. and the Doctor's like, oh, it was psychic pollen, blows it out of the TARDIS. And then Amy Rory like, well, who was he? And he's like, oh, haven't you figured it out yet? It's my dark side. And it's like, <laughs> <clears throat> this is... So shittily being drawn. Um, and and mm-hmm. and this is unfair to the episode, but I'm also picturing all the other times the Doctor's going to be challenged in this era by his dark side, like in the, um, mm-hmm. in the fucking Nightmare in Silver. Nightmare in yeah, Silver? Yeah, that's the one that comes yeah. to mind. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But there are... I'm sure there's others. Anyway... Oh, that's a tenuous point. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I, it's not my, it's not my yeah. cup of tea. I don't like when like yes. villains are revealed to be. I, I, actually, I think that's just it. I just don't like that as a concept. I think it's cheap and yeah, you know, totally not fine. interesting. Mm-hmm. Very fairy tale though. 
So it is in, in at least fits with the concept of the scene. The dream stuff as well, yes, is very fairy tale and does fit in with this concept. And I do think that that's the best part of this episode. When they wake up and they keep waking up in each dream and they're like Oh, well, this is the dream. It's got to be the, like, this is reality. It's got to be reality because it feels real. Oh, and it's like, yes, that goes on a bit too long for sure. It does yeah. go on a bit too long, but I still think it's, in fact, that's in many ways more menacing. Like if that had been just kept happening and there was nothing, no one to sort of be like, oh, well, there's a challenge and you've got to mm-hmm. pick which one's the reality. Like that would have been right. more yeah, scary I'm in a way. You. Yeah. Having to pay attention to, like, details inside the dream to start figuring out what was going on as opposed to, like, an omnipotent kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I would... I say we punt Vampires of Venice into the sun uh, and just make this a two-parter. Um, start it with the the Bucks Night thing and then have them go off in the TARDIS together and then, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would just roll all mm. of this into one bigger story, make the Dream Lord not what the dream lord ends up being um and then you've got two full uninterrupted stories to tell a a consistent story with amy and rory um that ends with her you know, making amy's choice in the end i think that would be a bit more of a satisfying chunk to to watch mm. here um but you know again they are what they are that i don't think they're bad episodes necessarily no. I, I think vampires is is aggressively fine and i think amy's choice is is genuinely quite fun mm. uh, even if it doesn't quite stick the landing for the doctor stuff but it does an amazing job with the amy stuff so yeah bit of both hello 2010 Stephen moffat yeah if you could just change everything about these two episodes that'd be great <laughs> if you could just be a bit more of a consistent showrunner buddy that would be great <laughs> can you figure out clara <laughs> three years earlier <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna write a character called clara see and and <laughs> she's gonna be great <laughs> She's going to be huge. See? <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Um, um, anything else? Not really. Add? Final thoughts? Um, I want to draw attention to three jokes <laughs> that made me uh, cackle. Uh, the first of which is actually in Vampires of Venice. And I just checked my notes for that episode and I remembered I wanted to talk about it. Uh, when the plan is to like have Amy infiltrate the, the vampire school. Oh. And actually, this is going to lead to another one of my enjoyable jokes um and she says uh well okay i need someone to take me in so the doctor you'll come in and you'll play my husband um and rory and the doctor is like oh no no that 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 would be weird we can't do that and they're like okay well well, rory you're gonna be the one to do it and she just turns to him she's like you can be my brother (laughs) just (laughs) so mean in an unintentional way and I, i love it so much but it leads to an incredible rory moment where he's trying to convince them of of the person that he's like pretending to be basically and he has this big awkward speech and most of it is genuinely pretty funny and then at the very end she's just like well like why can't you like afford a good life or whatever he's like i'm a gondola driver (laughs) (laughs) and it's just so dumb i think the way i I know the one you're talking about because i was just writing it down then to be like must bring this up because i love it too and it's like um he's like yeah we're poor my parents died of the plague i'm a gondola (laughs) Driver. Driver. <laughs> 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 yes. It's I mean, it's outstanding. that's it. Um, Arthur Darville. Oh. Just, you know, hats off. Oh, he's incredible. He's so sweet yeah. and earnest. Also and in Sandman. Is he? Yeah. Although in that bonus episode, which I also oh. haven't watched yet. So we're both not spoiled at least. <laughs> oh, I'm a little spoiled, but okay. 
Well, you, you told me Rory was dying next week. That so happened in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the other joke that I really like is when Amy makes them all uh, ponchos <sighs> out of some blankets. And she's like, oh, my boys, my poncho boys. If we're going to die, let's at least go out looking like a Peruvian folk band. Just incredible. Quip. There's some really good humor in that episode. And I think I said that before where there's the other bit where they're being menaced by one of the OA. I mean, the concept of the old age pensioners <laughs> being the villain of the episode. I th- oh, it's, so, oh, it's stupid. so stupid, but it's so satisfying in a way that I, I just, it's, it's that kind of wacky off the wall kind of idea that I think would have worked far better as if it were the actual core concept of the episode. Maybe. Um, yes. You know, in retrospect, it feels very like Edgar Wright almost. Like it's oh, very totally. esque Totally. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where they're being menaced by one of them and Rory's like, you know, that's, this is blah, blah. She ain't, she's such a lovely woman. I can't hit her. And then Amy just turns around. <laughs> she's like, whacker. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, I think, and I think this is so... There's something about hitting old people <laughs> that for some reason won't I know exactly what not you be mean. funny, you know? <laughs> it's awful. I do. I do. It's awful. It is. Um, it is awful, but it's good. It's there good. was one joke you brought up that um, made me laugh. Oh, yeah. I sent you the clip of it. Uh, it's So the Doctor, Amy and Rory get separated and Amy and Rory are... Amy's like, oh my God, the Doctor, he's out there on his own. <laughs> and Rory's like, oh, he'll be fine. You know the Doctor. He's always like cool, calm and collected or some shit. And then it cuts to the Doctor because... <laughs> In the in the dream, whenever they start to hear birds, they start falling asleep again. And so the smash cut to the doctor being slowly chased down the street by old people and he's just wobbling <laughs> around as birds are singing to him. It is so ridiculous and such a good bit of physical comedy from Matt Smith. Um, he has the perfect amount of control over his body where he is simultaneously young and hot and awkward and old. Uh, and that he manages to be both in that body is it's great. Oh, it's so good. And used to... A uh, similar effect in House of the Dragon. Little plug for HBO's HBO's yes. Game of Thrones spinoff. Get ready for our spinoff, House of the Two Hearts. No, nah, nah. I I can't imagine doing any more podcasts than I'm already doing. <laughs> anyway, um, Vampires of Venice. What are you giving it? I think it's a B plus. I guess. Okay. And Amy's choice is probably a B plus two. I feel like I was higher on Vampires of Venice, but when I think about these two episodes, I'm like, yeah, they're they're at the same they're at the same level for me. Okay. What about you? Fair enough. Um for me, Vampires of Venice is a like a like a like a C plus. Like it's fine. Um, oh, you gotta help. And Amy's choice is uh, Amy's choice. I would give a a B plus or an A minus. A, a B plus. Love it. Oh uh, no, A minus. We'll go A minus. Uh, a minus. We'll go A minus. Let's do it. Let's go. Thank you so much for bearing with us through this one. It has been a really long week. We're, we're both. <laughs> it's Monday, just Lemon. A bit exhausted. A bit- <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Um, as always, thank you for listening uh, each and every fortnight. Uh, if you could, could you please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts? Um, I've recently learned actually that it's not so much about the star rating that you give us, but more if you write text in the review. Uh, apparently that's what helps the metrics go up. So um, get a clickety clackety or tappity tappity, depending on your input device. That was weird. Mm. Mm. Do you want to start mm. that again? Um, no, no, I'm going to leave it. I, we're, we're all in tonight. Um, if you have any thoughts or questions about Vampires of Venice, Amy's Choice, or any of the upcoming episodes that you know are to follow, please feel free to send us an email at twohotspodcast at gmail.com. That's to the word two. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at twohotspod, and that's to the number two. As always, I have been James, and you can find me on Twitter at OMGMoreJames. And I've been Callum, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at theatricallum. James, next week, sorry, next fortnight, I should say, um, we are mm. going to be looking at Chris Chibnall's two-part Silurian story. Yes, the Silurians. I think we're going to have a time. I think we are going to have a time. So, listeners, it is... Okay, we're recording this on the 29th of August. Uh, we will be recording our next Chibnall episode on, I don't know, the 13th approximately of um, September. Callum, do you think by the next <sighs> time we sit down to talk about a Chibnall episode, we're going to have news about a Chibnall episode? Well, by the 13th of September, it will be a month, I think, until the episode is airing. So, we've it's got to be. It's got to be. It's gotta be. It's gotta like, be. Come, come on. on. It's not funny. It's not cute. Like <laughs> It's not cute anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> Just release the damn title. Give us a synopsis. <laughs> Perhaps even an image of the doctor. You know, Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. Her last episode. Her last episode. And it's like Oh. God. Yeah, that's really depressing to say out loud. Actually, like I know that like we are openly critical of this era because of Chibnall and his writing, but like Jody deserves an actual goodbye. Um, it, I I don't know. This feels like like <sighs> her goodbye is going to be shoving her out the door and being like, anyway, RTD's back. Exactly. I mean, oh, what, I don't want to be one of those people that that's mean. like RTD's still in the spotlight. It's like at least he's giving us something. Well, at least he's talking about the centenary, right? Like, he is actively out there being like, I've seen it, mm. I love it, you guys can't wait, it's going to be great. And then when it comes to actual BBC communications or, and, like, I mean, I haven't seen Chibnall talk about it, I haven't seen Jody. it's just, it's just silence. And I, I don't know, I guess it's a bit dry out there. Yeah. Well, goodbye, everyone. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough. <laughs> <laughs>